Welcome to worship at Faith CRC this morning. Welcome to those of you who are live streaming, and welcome also to those of you who have gathered in person. Psalm 27, verses 1 and 2 call us to worship this morning. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? As we prepare to worship this morning, a number of announcements about the ongoing life of our church. Uh, We're in a new pattern of worship now that we're gathering here in the sanctuary at 9.30 every Sunday morning. Uh, We do ask if you're going to come to this service that you register before time. We're uh, having up to 100 people, so plenty of space. So please do come if you're comfortable coming um, up to 100 people again, 9.30 every Sunday morning. And if you aren't at a place where you're comfortable gathering yet, we're going to be live streaming these services for the foreseeable future. And of course, the videos will be available later also. So there's a number of ways that you can be part of this worship service. On Sunday evenings, we're planning to gather outside on the southeast lawn, 6 o'clock. We'll have a a little bit of a briefer service than usual, but we will have singing. We will have a message. We'll have a time of prayer. So please, if you're interested, if you're able to gather with us Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, outside on the lawn. If the weather is bad, we'll move that to the fellowship hall, and we'll put that decision on social media at 5 o'clock. So if you check the church's social media feeds, you'll know where to go. Otherwise, you can just show up and go where the people are. Uh, Also, along those lines, as we look toward this ministry year, it's going to be just a weird year. We don't don't know what the future is going to hold, but we are very committed as a church to providing opportunities for worship, for fellowship, for spiritual growth, and for outreach. So we're working in that direction. The next couple weeks on Thursday evening, we're inviting ministry leaders. Really, anybody can come if you want to, but especially ministry leaders We're going to have a couple town hall meetings. Members of the reopening team are going to talk through some of the guidelines, some of the priorities we have for ministries this year, and help you as ministry leaders think through how how do you do ministry in this COVID-shaped year. So please, this Thursday or next Thursday, plan to come. One of those will be in person in the fellowship hall. The next week will be Zoom. So plan to come to one of those if you at all can, and we'll talk through ways that we can help ministries thrive even in this difficult year. If you didn't quite follow all of that or any of that, you can check the bulletin. There's more info on all of those things. We're also going to take a moment at the beginning of this service for a time of sending and prayer. So, Turners, could I ask you to come and stand up here for a moment? So, Pastor, Reverend... Pick your title. Jason Turner uh, previously served as a pastor on the north end of Elmhurst. More recently, he's been working with the state's early intervention program to help kids who need a little extra help. He's also become a chaplain in the Army Reserve in the last year or so. So Jason is always a busy man. Whenever I see him, he's got a smile on his face. He's also moving fast. Um, But Jason's been serving in the reserves the last number of months. He's assigned to a unit here in Chicago. But in a couple weeks, he's going to be reporting to Fort Jackson for his chaplain basic officer leader course. So Jason will be at Fort Jackson from September 10 to December 16, I think are the dates we have in the bulletin. So in this season ahead, we as a church want to be praying for Jason as he undergoes that training, as he learns more about how to serve as an Army Reserve chaplain with the specific needs that the military has these days along with his specific gifts. So we want to pray for Jason. We also want to pray for Heather, for Emily, and for Madeline as they spend the next few months apart from Jason. They'll be here while Jason is there, so that will be 
um, that would be a challenge on many levels. So usually, Turner family, we'd have some people come up and lay hands on you, but with the social distancing thing, if you want to put your hands up here if you're in the congregation, uh, but we do want to pray for you, Jason. We appreciate this work you've taken on ministering to a population that has so many needs and so many often spiritual questions and really difficult struggles. So we're grateful for the way that you're going to be bringing God's work to them. We're grateful also for Heather and the girls for the sacrifices that you're making, and we want to keep you in mind and in prayer in the months ahead in this time of separation. So right now, let's go to prayer to pray for the Turner family. Let's pray. Father, we bring this family before you as we gather as the family of God. We're grateful for the calls that you have placed on their hearts over the years, the call to ministry, the call to work with families in need, and most recently, the the call to serve in the army. We pray that you continue to provide Jason with opportunities to minister to soldiers with your grace and love. Give him the energy and the enthusiasm that he needs to serve these men and women in, in what are some really difficult circumstances. Help him to encourage those who believe to be able to answer their questions, to help them grow deeper in the faith. And we pray, too, that you help him to be a source of light, to draw others to put their faith in you for the very first time. As we look at these next few months that Jason will spend at Fort Jackson, we ask that you enable him to thrive through his time of training. Enable him to grasp what he needs to grasp, what he, to learn what he needs to learn, to, to do what he needs to do. Use this time to help him to be really well-equipped and well-prepared to, to serve as a reserve chaplain in the time ahead. And we pray, too, that you keep him safe and well. Father, we bring before you also Heather, Emily, and Maddie. We ask that you help them to adjust well to life apart from Jason for this season. Help Heather to be able to do her work well, to run the house well, and to have time and energy for parenting and also for herself. We ask that you bless Emily and Maddie with really good semesters at school. And even as they are physically apart, we pray that you use this time to to draw the Turners closer together as a family and also to deepen other supportive relationships. Father, we're grateful that we are always in your hands, no matter where we are and no matter what you call us to. And in this knowledge, we send Jason out to do the work that you have called and equipped him to do. Amen. So, Turners, you can go ahead and have a seat. Um, Worship team, if you want to come up now to prepare for our songs in a moment. And congregation, if you want to write a note of encouragement to Jason in the months ahead, his address at Fort Jackson is in the bulletin this week, so save that, send him some encouraging notes, and then also send encouraging notes to to the family that's here, you know, catch him after church, give him a call. We want to encourage and support Jason and also his family as he serves. And now as we begin worship, all of us who are here, let's stand to receive this greeting from the Lord. receive this greeting. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father, from Jesus Christ our Lord, and from the Holy Spirit, our Comforter. And let's respond to God's greeting by together saying, Hosanna, praise is rising.
sung that we welcome the Lord into our lives. And one of the realities of us welcoming the Lord into our lives is that we open up our lives for him to make us right. We confess, we admit how we have done wrong, and we pray that the Lord would heal us and make us better. So let's do that now together. We'll have a responsive reading. We can follow along on the screen. Our Lord Jesus said, This is the greatest and the first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. As God has instructed us in these great commandments, and because we haven't lived in full obedience, let's now confess our sins to God, trusting Christ as our Savior and Lord. And let's all now say this prayer of confession with our mouths, and with our hearts. Almighty and merciful God, we have wandered from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone what we should have done, and we have done what we shouldn't have done. O Lord, have mercy upon us as we confess. Restore us according to your promises in Jesus our Savior. Enable us to live holy and humble lives to the glory of your holy name. Amen. And receive this assurance of pardon. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Through Jesus Christ, the Father saves us and makes us his children. Let's celebrate that assurance with the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us.
Let's continue in worship by going to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Almighty God and gracious Father, we continue to ask that you walk with us through these hard times. Keep us humble. Make us compassionate and caring. Deepen our prayers to you and our service to others. We pray today for all those who lead unhappy lives. Give peace to those who are bitter and resentful. Soothe the restlessness of those who are quick to criticize and who find it impossible to be content. Provide community for those who are lonely. Let those who live with constant regret find contentment in today's gifts. Enable all of us to forgive what we need to forgive, to embrace the service you call us to now, and to face the future with hope because we belong to you. We especially bring before you those whose health is poor or precarious. Grant healing to those who are in difficult situations. Provide perseverance for those who are weary, so weary of their struggles and afraid of what, what pain tonight or tomorrow might bring. We ask that you keep Teresa Folkerts moving forward on the road to recovery. Bless Tara Corda in her continued health struggles. Provide your continuing peace for John and Judy Veltzma. And bless Grace Lanninga's family as they grieve and remember her as she passed away recently. And we pray too for your church. As we gather and worship around the world, your people, your church is huge and powerful. And at the same time, splintered and scattered. We ask that you work even through this broken body of people to proclaim the gospel powerfully. Bless us to be eager and sincere in our worship. Enable us to do true good in the world around us. Father, where your church is tired and weary, renew us. Where your church is enthusiastic and, and immature, give depth. In all places, send your spirit to draw us closer to you. And we pray too for our country. Grant safety to everyone who suffered from Hurricane Laura, and we pray that you enable people to restore normal life as quickly as possible. We ask for natural mercies and for human goodwill, too, in the wake of that storm. Bless Jason Turner as he serves as an Army Reserve Chaplain, and, and bless our other family members and friends who serve in different capacities in the armed services. Father, we ask that you give wisdom to all of our government leaders, from the lowliest to the highest, we ask that you help them to be wise and to look out for the best interests of our nation. We pray, too, for Kenosha nearby, for Portland far away, and for all the communities in our nation rocked by trouble and violence in these days. We pray that you bring unity and even prosperity where there is anger, mistrust, abuse, violence. Help us to move toward justice and peace in our land. Where we're broken, heal us. Where we are strong, Enable us to serve others. And renew all of our hope, we ask, in your eternal kingdom. Bless us as a church as we together follow you. And we ask that you bring each of us safely home in the end. We pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Again, in the bulletin this week, there's just a brief offering update. And I want to give you a little bit of an update this morning, too. Um, we actually received more gifts in June and July this year with all our troubles than we did last year. So we want to thank all of you for your generous giving the last couple months. We ask that as the Lord continues to provide for you, that you continue to provide for our church and its different ministries. 
Um, at this point, we've met our Timothy obligation for last year. Looking forward, we have about 66,500, I think, of funds that we've committed to provide to support the Christian education of our children. So we pray that you continue to give there. And even with all the money that's come in, as we usually do in July, we've fallen a bit behind on our general fund giving. So please continue to give to provide for the functioning and the well-being of Faith Church. As always, the Lord has been generous to us. Let's pass that generosity on to others. And now as we prepare to hear God's word, we're going to together sing, Lord, speak to me that I may speak. And let's sing this song as our prayer of preparation to hear the word of the Lord from Ecclesiastes this morning. If you're here in the sanctuary, let's all stand together and sing, Lord, speak to me that I may speak. Our Ecclesiastes series brings us to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 to 14 this week. These are the last verses of Ecclesiastes, but we actually have one more sermon on this book. We're going to pick up some other verses next week, more details next week on why I'm doing things a little out of order. It'll make sense then, so consider that a teaser to, uh, to show up or tune in next week. But this week, we're going to be picking up the last few verses from Ecclesiastes and these verses bring us to a number of themes from the whole book and then give us a direction to move forward in wisdom as God's people in this difficult world. So let's read God's word for us today, Ecclesiastes 12, beginning at verse 9. Not only was the teacher wise, but also he imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end. In much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. 
For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is the word of the Lord for us today. So I heard this story a few weeks ago, and, and it's, a, it's a true story, for whatever that's worth to you. We're, we're going to begin here with this story to think about whether, whether we should be afraid of the world, whether we should fear the world. And as I heard this story, Nathan was out, was out in his yard with his preschool-age son, and they have this big backyard out back, and somehow every winter a whole bunch of rocks migrate into that yard. Without fail, there are rocks there in the spring that were not there in the fall. It's just one of those rules of backyards and farm fields and anything like that. So every year, Nathan has to go out and pick out a bunch of rocks and throw them out of his yard, because if he doesn't do that, his mower catches those rocks, and then his shin catches those rocks, and it's not any fun. So Nathan and his son are out there pitching rocks out of the yard, and of course his son is at that age where daddy is a wonderful and amazing, and so every time he throws a rock, his, his son cheers and says, great throw, dad. Well, Nathan picks up this particularly big rock at one point that's gone a little deeper than some others, and he pitches it out of the yard, and his son dances and claps and cheers, and then says, look, dad, look. And they look down, and there's a colony of ants that set up this huge nest underneath where that rock was. And now the, the sky has, has gone flying away, and, and they had their house all around that rock. So as Nathan threw that rock, some of, their, some of their young and some of their food and some of the ants themselves have gone flying with the rock, and now their whole house is exposed. So this whole anthill is running and running and running and trying to get the young hidden in other tunnels and trying to save the food supply and some of the soldiers are swarming out over the anthill and looking for somebody to blame, and they don't, Nathan and his son are so big they don't even pay any attention to them, but there's, there's some earwigs and some other insects around who are attacked and just wiped out by these angry ants. And a couple of birds land a few feet away, and, and you can sort of see them tapping their feet and waiting for Nathan and his son to step away so the birds can get at their breakfast. So hold that picture in your mind for a second, and now zoom way, way, way out. Zoom way out to the galactic level or the cosmic level. And now look down at this planet. Look at Earth. And often when you, when you look at Earth, when you look at us as a human race, we might look like a swarming anthill. And that's where Nathan's mind goes as he watches these ants run around and and he wonders what kind of questions they're asking. Who tore down the sky? Who, who wrecked the world? What wrong did we do? Who did this wrong to us? And Well, maybe that describes a little bit how a lot of us are living these days, too, around the world. We've got this pandemic going on, and no one quite knows how to deal with it. And we've all got our opinions, and everyone is right, even if they disagree. And our, our nation has all this unrest, and people are just, just angry these days in ways that I'm not sure we've quite seen before. And, and there's people who are, who are really deeply concerned about societal injustice and, and how everything is wrong and has been wrong forever, and, and that's coming out in some destructive ways. And there are other people who feel like our nation is just falling apart and we used to be in such a better place, and now, now what are we going to do? And We need law and order. We need it now. And we all swarm around and... And we look for people to blame and we try to take them out and, and we look for a cause or a God or somebody who we can make some kind of sacrifice for or some kind of movement we can join to make this all better. 
And we swarm and we swarm and we swarm. And, and still it can feel like the sky's been ripped open. And like we don't know what's going to happen next. The world is often a scary place. And some of us respond to that by, by living in fear. By trying to just step back and, and not get in anybody's way and just keep things going calm. And others of us are a little more aggressive, and we step forward, and we, we'd be those soldiers, and we'd be out taking it to the enemy, whoever they are. But both of those responses are really, really rooted in trying to put the roof back on and make sense of the world. And an awful lot of the book of Ecclesiastes, as we work through it the last few months, over and over again in all kinds of areas of life, the teacher who speaks to us through most of this book is is wanting to come to us and say, that's not going to work. You think wealth is going to save you? Nope. You think having a lot of good social connections is going to save you? Nope. You think your family is going to save you? Nope. Early on in this series, we talked about the word hevel. And hevel is a Hebrew word that shows up almost 40 times in this book of Ecclesiastes. It's, it's usually translated meaningless. It can be translated Vanity, it can be translated passing or fleeting. What it literally means is breath. And Ecclesiastes looks at our world, it looks at all the bubbling messes we have going on and all the ways we try to cope with them, and it says, all of that, all of that is just like a breath. It comes and it goes. And it's not really, it's not really going to make your life work. The first few verses in our text for today, they invite us to look back over the scope of the whole book, and they tell us the, the teacher who's been speaking to us throughout the book of Ecclesiastes that, that he really was a wise man, and he pondered and he studied deeply, and, and he wasn't an ivory tower guy. He was out talking with people and teaching them and, and learning from them. He looked, at, he looked at all of life, and the words that he gave us are true, accurate, upright words. But if you think about the message that the teacher has given us, even if those are true, accurate, upright words, most of what he's told us is pretty depressing. Life is hard. Our escape routes and our coping strategies and our path to a better future, no, not going to work out for you. And verse 12 tells us, don't deny this. There are all kinds of other wisdom traditions out there. There are all kinds of people and places you can go, and they'll say, if you follow me, I'll lead you to the promised land. And and the teacher says, no, none of that is going to work. And so in one way, Ecclesiastes invites us to fear the world. It tells, us, it tells us to be honest about what we are facing. And when we are honest, this planet often feels and looks like an anthill that's just had the top blown off of it. And our attempts to fix it just fall flat. Now, as we've seen over the course of the last few months, Ecclesiastes tries to get us to that point, to get us to that point of, of recognizing that it's a bit hopeless, that, that all of our efforts just, just pass, that even, even the best things in this world are like a breath, that they're here and then gone. But Ecclesiastes gets us to that depressing point in order to give us a message of hope. It tells us that we have some reasons to fear the world, but even more than that, we should fear the Lord. 
And when we talk about fearing the Lord, there's a sense of of concern, a sense of awe, a sense of reverence, a, a sense of following and obeying. There's all kinds of things that that word fear the Lord packs into it. And as we look at this text, we see a turn in verse 13. 9 through 12, look back over the, the journey that we've been on through this teacher, through this book. And it looks at the human, the human pursuits, the under the sun, the in the world pursuits, and says it's all meaningless. But then in verse 13, it says, we've heard all that, but here's the answer. Here's what we need to do. And the answer is to fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And then it goes on and it says, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. If we look around at the world right now, life might look random. It might look like there's all these bad things that happen and and people get away with it. And there's all these good things that should happen and they don't. And and there's there's no justice and there's no real peace and it's all just a mess. But Ecclesiastes tells us that is not the way it is. The reality, the reality this book tells us is that God will judge every good and evil thing. There will be justice. And this is one of those good news, bad news things. Let's talk about the good news first. The good news is that any evil that you see in this life that doesn't get paid back, it will get paid back. Any injustice that anybody perpetuates in this world, oh, it'll get paid for. The Lord is the just and perfect and all-knowing and all-powerful Lord. And nobody in the end gets away with anything. Life has a pattern to it. That doesn't mean that we always see it right now, but life has a pattern to it. The world is is not empty and meaningless. Now, we we don't know why the world seems to go to pieces sometimes. God doesn't God doesn't give us his perspective always on why this particular good or bad thing is happening. But the scriptures tell us that God is a God of justice, that God loves what is good and hates what is evil. And the scriptures assure us that there will be no public spectacle and there will be no private injustice that will not be worked out in the end. God knows all the good and evil in this world and it will get its proper reward. So that's the good news. But the bad news is that we're subject to that judgment too. And the bad news is that all of us have those hidden things in our lives that, that we'd like God to just let that, that little incident go. Or just don't worry about that particular habit. It's not all that bad. Or that one season in my life. Don't, don't worry about that too much, God. But God doesn't play like that. God insists that good is good, And evil is evil, and his judgment will in the end mark out clearly what is good and what is evil, and everybody's evil will have to be paid for. And that sounds, if you think about your own life, that probably sounds kind of uncomfortable. I mean, who among us wants wants to have the lid opened up on our lives and have everyone else come by and stare at all the wrong things we've done and rubberneck at our failings and... Boy, that just sounds miserable. 
In a sense, we have a reason to fear the Lord in terms of being afraid of his judgment, to welcome it, and yet also to fear it. And yet, as we trace the story of the Bible, we find that we have reason to trust the Lord. When Ecclesiastes tells us to fear the Lord, it Well, it gives us a picture of judgment, but that's not the whole picture. It also has a sense that this Lord God cares for us. As Nathan and his son stood there and watched the ants scurry around, Nathan's thoughts went to to cosmic questions. And I actually heard this story in a book that he wrote reflecting on what it means for us to be in a world that God created and redeemed. And, And as Nathan was standing there, he thought, you know, how much do I care about these ants? How much do I care for these ants? And I guess a little. I mean, I'm not going to stomp on them. I'll, I'll not uproot their house again if I can help it. But, but do I really care about them? Eh. Would I have been willing to warn them so they could evacuate? Yeah, I guess if I could have. Would I have been willing to become one of them to give them that warning? Nah. Would I have been willing to, to step down into their world and, and bring them this news of judgment knowing that they would laugh at me, persecute me, execute me? No way. No way. And then this thought. I have more self-regard. I have more self-regard than God does. I have less love than God does for the characters who are beneath me in the cosmic story. And if we think of if we think of the Lord, if we step back and zoom out to that cosmic perspective and, and we see the Lord looking at the world, looking at this teeming anthill of messiness and evil and wickedness and trouble and, and all the things that we've done to ourselves and done to each other. And does the Lord care about us? Oh, yes. Does the Lord give us warnings about where we are and where we're headed? Oh, Yes. Does the Lord come down himself and become one of us to give us those warnings? Oh, yes. Does he do that knowing that he'll be made fun of, that he'll be rejected, that he'll be executed for his trouble? Oh, yes. And does our Lord God himself become... And the distance between us and the ants is like nothing compared to the distance between us and God. But does the Lord God himself take on our human nature and become one of us in order to die so that we can live? Oh, yes. Yes, he does. And so here we are. And we are not just like those ants with the sky pulled away and running around frantically trying to make things a little better, even knowing that that it's probably hopeless. We don't live in an empty and meaningless universe. We live in a world that that the Lord values so highly that he came down to it himself. The Lord came to us. And because of his past action, we can trust him for our futures too. We can trust that even in the middle of this pandemic, even in the middle of whatever political and national and social upheaval we face, even if things don't go our way in whatever part of life you want to think and talk about, Even if all of that, we can trust the Lord and we have Christ's work and we have the story of the scriptures to assure us that when we follow the Lord, he cares for us. 
Ecclesiastes sets us on the road to judgment. It tells us that we have a God who cares about good and cares about evil and is going to judge all of them. But Ecclesiastes does that in part to point us to Jesus, to point us to the Lord who, who took the consequences for our evil. Somebody had to pay, and it's the Lord himself who paid. Somebody, well, all of us deserve that punishment, and Christ took on that punishment for you and for me. And that's, that's why Ecclesiastes, in some ways, is so hard on life in this world. It wants us not to put our hope in anything that's going to disappoint, because everything in this world will disappoint. Every political party, every medical advance, every, every social movement, pick whatever you want in this world. It's not going to save you. It may make life a little better, may make life a little worse, but it's not going to save you. So yes, work for good in the world, fight against evil, but at the end of the day, what you have to do is trust the Lord and trust that the Lord has taken on our judgment and that he will judge every evil thing we see around us. One last point for this morning. The Lord, the Lord is our shepherd. And actually, this is one of those good news, bad news things again. If we think of Psalm 23 and the Lord being our good shepherd, generally shepherd imagery gives us, gives us good feelings, right? But here's the thing. The Lord is committed to our good. And he is committed to our good even more than we are. Often we would like to, to kind of keep a back room in our lives and keep a little bit of our lives that God doesn't have to mess with. Yeah, God, change, change my bad habits, change some of those things. You can have that. But could, could I just keep this? Yeah, we don't need to deal with that. Or at least we don't need to deal with it yet, right, God? And God does not put up with that nonsense. God is not a God of compromises. If he is going to save us, he is going to save us all the way. And verse 12 in Ecclesiastes gives us kind of a graphic image for that. It tells us the words of the wise are like goads, like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. And goads were ancient cattle prods. They were designed to keep animals on the right path. And, and if an animal, we'll say a cow, if a cow tried to go to the right, pain. If a cow tried to go to the left, pain. If a cow tried to back up, pain. Only if the animal followed the lead of the shepherd would it be able to experience a truly trouble-free life. The only way to avoid that pain was to go in the right direction. And now it's not the case that all the pain and all the suffering in our lives is God trying to poke and prod us to go a certain direction. There may be suffering in your life that has no reason that you'll ever know about, that that's part of the Christian experience. So don't think, oh, God is punishing me for this or that. But there are times in our lives, and when we're experiencing a bit of trouble, it's worth reflecting. There are times in our lives when God uses hard things to, to poke and prod us to make us better. There are times that God just lets us suffer the natural effects of our sins, so we go, ah, oh, that ain't fun. There are times when God lets us get into situations that are not that aren't fun, that are miserable, 
in order to get our attention and get us back on the right path to following Him. The Lord is our good shepherd, and, and like a good shepherd, He has our best interests at heart even more than we do. And the Lord will make no compromise. The Lord will make absolutely no compromise with evil. There are times that He, he lets evil go for a while. There are times in our lives that He might work on this and not work on that, but but we can trust that the Lord, that the Lord will work on and work out of us every single little bit of evil and wickedness and sin and vice that we have. The Lord, He is gracious and He is compassionate and He is also perfectly righteous and He wants us to be perfect, to be perfectly righteous and through that, to be perfectly joyful. And so we need to have a healthy fear of the Lord. The Lord, you see, is never going to do things part way. The Lord is not going to say, well, that's kind of okay. I'll just let it go this time. There is, there is going to be none of that in the end. Goodness and evil will be shown for everything they are in the final judgment. And yet at the same time, at the same time, God's grace in Jesus Christ will be shown for everything that it is at the final judgment. And so if we belong to Jesus, we do not need to be afraid of where we will end up or, or to be afraid of whether we belong to the Lord or not. If we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouths, then we are Jesus' people, period. Nothing more to be said. And yet at the same time, we need to trust and we need to obey the Lord because he's working in us. Because that's what he's called us to do. Because the only way to find any measure of contentment and, and any kind of foundation and any sort of place to put your feet and stand there, the only way to do that is to fear the Lord and to keep his commandments. The Lord's goal is not that we be obedient little slaves, that he, he have this planet that's like a nice anthill of obedient marchers going on and on with their work. The Lord's goal is that we become his children. That is what the Lord has in mind for each one of us, that we be a beloved child of the Lord. God's goal is that we be part of his family and we live with him. God's goal is that someday in the new heavens and the new earth, all of us, each of us, will have opportunities to, to stand out in the cosmic backyard with the Lord and, and look at our God and say, wow, Dad, that's amazing. You're amazing. Look at what you did in my life. Look at what you did in the world. Look at what you're doing now, God. Dad, Father, you are amazing. I hope that I can keep growing up to be more like you. That's where the Lord is leading you if you belong to him. So yes, put, put all those other earthly pursuits aside. Have have a pretty limited hope in what this world can provide, but have an unlimited hope in what the Lord God can provide. Fear the Lord, follow the Lord, trust the Lord, obey the Lord, because that's the road to wisdom. And that's how we become more and more like and more and more present with our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, we are so glad to be your children. 
And Lord, as we draw near to the end of our time focusing on Ecclesiastes as a church, we pray that you help us to hear hear the difficult and life-giving message of this book. Lord, if we are putting our trust in, in other wisdom traditions or in our possessions or our relationships or anything on this earth, then help us to see how hollow and empty and, and fleeting those things are. And Father, we confess that sometimes we come to you more as a taskmaster than as a father. We admit that sometimes our obedience is more about fear than about love. And so, Father, we pray that you help us to fear you in all the right ways. Help us to to fear you in the sense of revering you for your greatness and your wonder and how amazing you are. And Lord, help us to treasure you and to love you as our Lord and Savior, as the one who insists on perfect justice and who makes us just. And Father, we pray that within each of us, you give us your peace. Make us right so that we can live without all the turmoil and the struggle and the restlessness that so often characterizes our lives. And Father, we pray that you work through Faith Church and you work through your church and your people around the world to to bring peace where there is so much chaos, to bring healing where there is so much brokenness, to live out how fearing you and keeping your commands really really brings the good life. And Father, we thank you that our goodness does not depend on ourselves alone, but that you give it to us day by day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We pray all this in your name. Amen. For our closing song, let's stand and together rejoice that our Lord is our gracious and great King. Please stand to sing. before we conclude our service. If you are here in the sanctuary right now, we ask that after the service you just step outside. Uh, Please do stick around as long as you want. Fellowship, talk with other people. But we just ask that you do that outside after this service. Again, tonight and the weeks ahead, uh, we will be meeting at 9.30 with this live-streamed and in-person service. We have capacity beyond who's here, so if you want to come and haven't come, 
please do so in the coming weeks. And then at 6 o'clock this evening and in the evening, Sunday evenings ahead, we'll gather for worship outside. And now receive this blessing from our Lord and our God. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May our faithful God give you his peace now and forever. Amen.